Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to the Optimist Daily's Weekly Roundup. I'm Carissa. And I'm Ariel, and we're working hard to put solutions in view and optimism in movement. Ariel, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. It's been a very windy, windy week here in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, but it's also brought in some warm air, I guess, because it's been mm-hmm. kind of sunny, and that's been really nice. Like, my dog has not had to wear her little sweater all week. So we're pretty happy about that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And how about you, Carissa? Have you been and do you have any exciting plans for the weekend? I'm doing well. Um, It's been rainy here, like all over California, actually. I don't know if you've seen anything like the flooding that's been going on. Mm. I know in San Diego, it is very bad down there. We haven't been as bad with the flooding crossed fingers that it won't be as bad up in Northern Mm -hmm. California. Yeah, it's been rainy, but I guess it's also been nice to kind of relax. Mm -hmm. I'm also heading to a different part of California this weekend, back down to the Central Coast for kind of a little getaway moment. Okay, that's good. I'm going to a town near Morro Bay, which is a very relaxed area. So I'm looking forward to it. So last week we were talking about how you were going to keep your brain active and aging well and Mm -hmm. taking little trips, I think was part of that. Yeah, exactly. And just like the winter slump and stuff too. Exploring new places, I think was one of our tips. And then I had mentioned too, I was like in the January slump. So yes, I am fulfilling my January slump trip. Amazing. I'm super excited. And one thing I'm really looking forward to and crossing my fingers that I see while I'm down there are some sea otters. There are a lot of sea otters in that area. I was seeing them before just out in their wild habitat and they're so cute. Yeah, sea otters are adorable with their like holding hands and everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. I could go on and on. It does have to do with my solution today. These sea otters are kind of changing the world changing the California coast. Do tell. Yeah. (laughs) The title of my solution is called Sea Otters, the Guardians of California's Kelp Forest. And they've been kind of making headlines recently. You might remember a couple months ago, there were some sea or a sea otter stealing surfboards from surfers. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, I guess, a positive headline to see. (laughs) These cute critters in their natural ecosystems are really making a difference. Okay, great. Can't wait to hear it. So there's basically some new research from the Monterey Bay Aquarium that reveals a striking link between the recovery of southern sea otters and the condition of kelp forest along the west coast. According to a study published in the journal PLOS Climate, the recovery of sea otter populations in central California coincided with considerable increases in kelp forests between 1910 and 2016. Terry Nicholson, the study's lead author, asserts in a press release, Our studies showed that kelp forests are more extensive and resilient to climate change, where sea otters have reoccupied the California coastline during the last century. While Central California saw a 57.6% increase in kelp forest, or 19.7 square kilometers, the northern and southern regions experienced losses. Northern California lost approximately 8.1 square kilometers, whereas Southern California lost 18.3 square kilometers. Oh, wow. So these losses kind of mirrored locations where sea otters were virtually hunted to extinction in the 19th century. 
the study also emphasizes this disparity in states where sea otters are absent, kelp forests have declined dramatically. How can you hunt a sea otter? They're so cute. I know. But it's really nice to hear that there's some added motivation to keep the sea otter populations up. Yeah. But I'm curious to hear more about the importance of kelp forests. Why are they so great. Kelp forests are very important. They provide critical habitat and food for marine life and just play a really important role in biodiversity conservation. And plus, they're just really cool, I have to add. (laughs) At the Monterey Bay Aquarium, where we're kind of talking about, this is their study I visited not too long ago. They have like a living uh, kelp forest that, you know, They have a whole wave machine that makes it go, and it's super cool to see, and it makes you feel like you're just under the sea, lost in a kelp forest. Living our mermaid dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So kelp forests are alive on their own, and this study really points out the importance of preserving sea otter populations to prevent sea urchin dominance, which can affect uh, kelp forests and create what scientists refer to as urchin barrens. Aside from their ecological relevance, kelp forests also provide a major contribution to climate change mitigation. Kelp can absorb about 20 times more carbon dioxide per acre than land forests, and their involvement in reducing coastal erosion adds to their environmental value. Hmm, Cool. I didn't know that, that kelp absorbs so much more than than land uh, vegetation. Yeah, so they're super important to not just the ocean, but just the world in general. But there are many threats to kelp forests. Um, there's pollution, over-harvesting, and climate change, of course. And the decline of sea otter numbers emerges as a major concern amongst this as well. These findings show that sea otters operate as guardians for these kelp forests and keep sea urchins from overgrazing kelp and preserve this ecosystem's delicate balance. Acknowledging the multifaceted challenges, this study highlights that ecosystems are complex and to give them their best chance at surviving these extreme changes, they need all their component parts. The Monterey Bay Aquarium's research reveals a peaceful link between sea otters and kelp forests. The aquarium has a really great otter surrogacy and rehabilitation program that has helped repopulate these areas since its inception. So the Monterey Bay Aquarium is doing really great work at helping sea otters come back into their natural habitats. As sea otters thrive, so do kelp forests, and this results in a balanced ecosystem. And in the face of all these challenges in the world, with climate change especially, rising ocean temperatures and such, recognizing and sustaining this delicate interplay is very critical to the health of California's coastal habitats. So I am very glad to hear that sea otters are doing their part. (laughs) Yeah, and it seems like the Monterey Bay Aquarium is also doing their part. Um, I wonder what a great sea otter surrogacy um, and rehab program like what that involves but <laughs> yeah I think like what they define it as is just like when they find um, baby sea otters abandoned by their mothers they have a couple mothers okay, yeah. um, in their aquarium and I think those are the main ones that are in their sea otter exhibit at the aquarium they rotate out so mm-hmm. I, I actually watched a couple videos on this in a spiral of sea otters 
But um, yeah, so they, the mothers, (laughs) the surrogate mothers basically just teach like the babies how to do like the important sea otter stuff just to like live basically and hunt for themselves. All the important sea otter things. Oh, that's so (laughs) cute. Those babies go on to repopulate the coast. Wow, you actually really do know a lot about sea otters. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I'm kind of an expert. I didn't want to like take this whole time to just ramble (laughs) on these sea otter facts, but I could. Uh, tune in for my new podcast where I just talk about sea otters. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're super cute. I do love going on the Monterey Bay Aquarium's uh, website and they have a live sea otter cam whenever I feel down. Aww, so <laughs> I'm going to give that a try. Um, I guess we're both really interested in um, under the sea topics today because I'm also delving into the deep sea and discussing a massive study on ocean DNA. Um, unfortunately, the subject of my article isn't as cute <laughs> as the otters. <laughs> the article that I'm drawing from is titled Twilight Zone Fungi from the Ocean's Depths, a New Frontier for Antibiotic Discovery. So, Carissa, I know that you and I have both spent a lot of our lives by the ocean. I mean, you spent many years in Santa Barbara, right? Yes. I was just a couple minute walk from the ocean for a long period of time. Nice. Did you spend a lot of time at the beach thinking about the great mysteries of the ocean or in particular the secrets of the ocean's twilight zone by any chance? I mean, I've definitely (laughs) thought about it sometimes. I guess like it's so hard to conceptualize even just looking out there that there's such a twilight zone. What is considered the twilight zone? I'm glad you asked. The twilight zone is between 200 to 1,000 meters below the surface of the ocean. And just for like a reference point, 1,000 meters is about the length or the height of three Eiffel Towers stacked on top of each other. And it turns out that in this gigantic space, there's a ton of fungi thriving. And even though the thought of like little tufts of fungi floating around in the depths of the ocean might not sound that exciting. (laughs) The fact is that they could be the next big thing in antibiotics, giving penicillin a run for its money. Fabio Favoretto, a postdoc at Scripps, mentioned how penicillin, which I'm sure most of us know is a medicine used to treat and manage a wide array of infections, originally came from fungus. Yeah. These ocean fungi might have similar game-changing properties. The deep sea is a crazy environment, which is sure to be breeding some unique properties in whatever whatever is growing there, whatever it's cultivating. That's pretty wild. So how did they even figure this out, that this fungi could help us out? Um, Well, they used this new ocean DNA catalog that came out very recently. It's a, a tech upgrade that allowed them to dig way deeper into existing samples. Elisa Laiolo, the lead author and a marine biologist, was super stoked about it because the catalog is a massive database that includes over 317 million marine organism gene groups. It's basically the ocean's genetic library, and it's giving us a bit of a preview into what's happening below the surface. During the cataloging process, the team of scientists stumbled upon something pretty mind-blowing. Viruses, believe it or not, are the secret ingredient in this whole story. Okay, interesting. Viruses? I didn't see that coming. What exactly is their role? Carlos Duarte, a marine science professor and senior author of the study, explains it like this. 
Um, this is a quote from the article, and it says, the viruses insert themselves and move genes from one organism to another. That means viruses create genomic biodiversity, and that accelerates their evolution. So this basically means that viruses can be seen as the MVPs of the ocean's genetic scene. Duarte also says that one of the results of this accelerated evolution were genes that evolved to get organisms to eat up synthetic polymers, which in plain terms is plastic. Oh, I'm used to viruses having a very negative connotation, but in this case, it seems to be the opposite. Yeah, right? It just goes to show how interconnected and dynamic life in the ocean can be. And it's not just about fungi potentially saving the day. It's this whole ecosystem at play. Totally. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like the sea otters and the kelp. Yeah. You know, they're working together <laughs> to protect the ecosystem. Laiolo sees this whole thing as a reminder that we need to dig deeper into the ocean floor. It's like the wild, wild west down there. It's uncharted, full of potential discoveries. Yeah. Which is exciting. But this expansion of knowledge comes with its own roadblocks, specifically surrounding gene ownership and sharing benefits. As of last year, there's a new rule. If you discover a marine gene, you own it, which on surface level seems really fair. But Carlos Duarte, the marine science professor that I mentioned earlier, pointed out a not-so-great reality. Currently, 10 nations own 90% of marine gene patents, and that's a huge gap, and it's causing issues, especially for countries that don't have the same access to gene sequencing and analytical supercomputing. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty big hurdle. Is there anything being done to address this, I guess? Um, yeah, actually, there are changes in the works, but it's a bit of a mixed bag. Since the new rule came into effect last year, there's an expectation of sharing benefits, but it's still really unclear about the logistics of how that sharing happens. Yeah, it's really a ocean's genetic gold rush, I suppose, but... It isn't benefiting everyone equally then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Duarte emphasized the need for more clarity and fairness in benefit distribution. And as it stands, it's a bit like a, just a few of the players holding most of the cards. So we're all waiting to see if the rules of the game will level the playing field. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. The potential for groundbreaking discoveries is there, but... There's hurdles in making sure everyone gets a fair shot. Precisely. The Ocean DNA Library, despite its promise and potential, also brings up some real-world challenges that we need to address for the greater good. So it's not just about scientific progress. It's about ensuring that the benefits are shared globally um, and equitably. I guess it's not just all smooth sailing out there. The Ocean <laughs> DNA Library sounds really cool, though. It's very good for biodiversity and conservation efforts. So I'm glad we learned a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Favoretto is pretty optimistic about it being a crucial tool for tracking mm -hmm. changes in species distribution. And just like with your... Um, with your solution, with climate change and human activities in the mix, we need all the help that we can get. Well, that was really cool. Thank you, Ariel, for sharing this. We had these awesome solutions about the ocean. I'm definitely, and I'll definitely be pondering when I'm at the ocean once again this weekend and thinking about the sea otters, hopefully seeing one, and thinking about mm -hmm. what's the viruses, fungi that are deep out there in the twilight zone. So yeah, <laughs> a lot to think about while you're there. We have some other great solutions from this week that you can find on our website, optimistdaily.com, and they include 
Navigating the complex world of hormonal balance, the leading startups transforming CO2 into everyday wonders, a glimpse into the feline world, how your cat experiences life through the senses, and scientists claim revolutionary protein test offers early detection of 18 cancers. Super cool. I was so close to picking the cat solution, mm-hmm. but I picked another cute <laughs> one. <laughs> well, we also have this week, Breaking Up With Your Vape, a step-by-step guide to quitting permanently. Soda taxes have a remarkable impact. Sales plummet as prices rise in U.S. cities. Native nations without reliable internet take broadband networks into their own hands. And from guerrilla fighters to beer brewers, former FARC members craft peace in every sip. If you want to start your day off right, make sure to subscribe to our free daily newsletter to get our solutions straight to your inbox. We also have more solutions on our social channels. You can find us at The Optimist Daily on all of our platforms, including Threads, Pinterest, X, but on X we're known as Ode to Optimism. That's the only difference. We are a small team of optimists working hard to bring you positive news. If you'd like to support our mission of putting optimism out into the world, please click on the link in the show notes to find out how. And remember that support doesn't always have to be financial, even just recommending our podcast to a friend, leaving a positive five-star review on Apple or Spotify, or just sharing a solution on your social feeds would be a very big help in our mission of putting optimism in movement. Well, thank you for tuning in this week. Carissa, I hope you have a beautiful weekend and that you see some sea otters. Me too. And I hope you have a beautiful (laughs) weekend as well and all of our listeners do too. We will be back next week with more solutions. Bye.